Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. If it is uh, your first time tuning into our show, uh, a little quick note or two about me, and then we'll kind of dive right into our uh, subject here today. I am a professional astrologer and navigational consultant. I have worked with uh, numerous different types of oracles, including tarot and animal cards and rune stones, and have been doing counseling work using those wonderful, fun tools to work with for many, many, many years. I'm also a uh, blog columnist. I have a column appropriately titled Snake Oil that I've been doing since uh, late 2003. Not already receiving my monthly free newsletter. Email me at VenturaSag, S-A-G, at yahoo.com, and I'll add you to the free newsletter mailing list. Uh, you do get discounts on sessions, and you get to read my books before they go into print, because that's a lot of what my columns are. And some great metaphysical information each week, and don't cost anything to do so. I'm a published author. Uh, I published my first book uh, 2007. Uh, Dirty Little Secrets, which is a collection of uh, entertaining essays, at least I'm told it is, entertaining anyway. And uh, it's available on Amazon. You also get that information through my website at jimventura.com. If you want to order a copy of the book, or I have a CD live version of it too, of a live read. And uh, the second book was published uh, at the beginning of this year, St. Oil Volume 1, which is a collection of the first four years of my column. Also available on Amazon. Don't have an audio CD version of that book, but uh, you can uh, get a print version through uh, Amazon or just contact me and I can uh, sign a copy and send it your way. Uh, books are not expensive. I think they're like 12 bucks, a couple bucks for shipping and handling. So uh, I actually did get uh, the uh, Sick on Volume 1 available on Kindle also, too. Dragged my feet on that for a long time, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I just have such a denial about that. Uh, I, I guess I'm just, uh, that's probably because I'm old, but I just like the idea of a book. Uh, I guess some people really like the Kindle version. I just think, how do you fold down the pages for all the good pieces that you wanted to mark on a Kindle? Maybe there's a way to do that. I don't necessarily know. Uh, maybe someone will answer that for me today. Uh, so today, it's our first uh, It's our first of the month, uh, first show of the month. So I'm going to do a live read of my current column which, by the way, is actually a column that I wrote three years ago, and after I read this column so that we can get into discussing it, I'll tell you why I ran this column again. I thought it was uh, appropriate to bring the subject back up. It definitely seems to be uh, in the uh, air in terms of importance as well. So I'm going to get to the live read, and then I'll talk a little bit about this subject, open up the phone lines about halfway through the show, uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, and at the end of the show, last 10, 15 minutes, I may be able to get one or two mini uh, oracle pulls. Uh, if anyone has a question, they want to pull a card or rune or stone or something for them. I'll be able to do that briefly uh, toward the end of the show today. Okay, so uh, before we get to the live column read, if you already get my uh, column and you did read my September column, realize I did a really, really kick-ass special. Uh, for the first week of September, um, half price on uh, up to two sessions. Uh, if you want to buy them as a gift for someone that uh, that I've never uh, worked with before, friend, family member, partner. Um, so we got three of those available. So uh, clock's ticking till five o'clock tomorrow, Friday, 
the 7th. Uh, if you want to order those, you can email me uh, or call, and uh, I can run a debit and get that to you. So you can, and those are good for a whole year too once you get them. So, but because it's such a good promo, and I've only got three left, I stick to my dates, guys. September 7th. So you don't get to it. Uh, you got to pay attention. I don't do those very often, but once in a while they're in the column. So you got to catch these. Uh, it's a huge discount. So uh, you can you can check my last column on, on Facebook, or uh, if you already get in the mail, or you can see the info about it, and just contact me at VenturaSagiyahoo.com if you want to uh, see if you can pull one of those off today, tonight, or tomorrow. Okay, all right. Enough sales stuff. Let's get to the uh, column. So again, I wrote this column actually back in uh, 2009, I believe. Yes, uh, I wrote it in September of 2009. So it's something that happened in, in August of 2009. So it's interesting. This is uh, almost exactly three years ago. And the column is titled, What If Life Were Easy? Late August was an incredibly busy time for me. I worked extra hours at my job and juggling what seemed like a million other details of life when a car accident was added to the mix. I was driving to work for my 12-hour Friday double shift. When an oblivious woman sipping a coffee and talking in her cell phone blew through her stop sign and hit the right front end of my Chevy Cavalier. I wanted to be angry with her for her obvious stupidity, but she mangled her own car as well and was extremely apologetic. My irritation with her dissipated as she cried and told me repeatedly how genuinely sorry she was. Thankfully, neither of us were physically hurt but it was clear to me that both cars would not be repairable. While I waited for a police officer to show up in the hot Arizona sun, my mind raced with worry. How would I find the time to get another car? My car was almost eight years old. Its blue book value was not very high, and I would end up with another loan and debt to pay. I took the job I was heading to that day to decrease my debt, not be adding to it. I would have to deal with endless phone calls back and forth with insurance companies. I had no idea what car I even wanted. My long-range plan was to buy a hybrid car in three or four years. I wasn't ready to put out that kind of money now. How would I find the time and energy for all of this? Amidst all of the internal fear and panic I was going through while waiting for the towing company to tow my car, I heard a clear, calm internal message that said, Jim, there is no need to worry. Everything will work out fine, and you will also benefit from this. Hmm. I decided I would listen to this other point of view wherever it was coming from. It was certainly an optimistic perspective and the exact opposite of what my fears were telling me. I walked to my job and still worked my 12-hour day. I had a hard time sleeping that night because there was still some leftover anxiety about the whole experience. Another part of me was clear and strangely confident somehow everything would work out really well. I knew, however illogical it seemed, that I needed to trust this. The next morning, I received a call from the insurance company of the woman who hit me. They told me I would not need to go through my own insurance company because they would be paying for this claim. They would need a couple of days to evaluate the damage and would be able to cut me a check in a few days. They had a rental car waiting for me and would send a driver over from Enterprise Rental to set me up. It sounded far too easy. I called my own insurance company and asked them if I should take 
they, her insurance companies offer. They told me it would be wise to do so. I was given a comfortable car for the week at a very good price in case they needed to keep it longer. Uh, then the insurance company would pay for it. I was planning on a Vegas trip with a friend a week after my accident. We were going to rent a car for this trip, so this was provided for us. I was very happy with the last two cars I owned that were both Chevys, but a friend suggested I check out Toyota. Something felt right about this suggestion, so I went to see what they were offering in used cars. The nice young man who showed me cars that day did not try to hard sell me. He was pleasant, did his best to help me stay within my budget. I ended up test driving a used Prius. This hybrid car would cut my monthly gas costs in half. I love the car. I was able to bargain it down, bargain on the price to almost $1,700 less than the sticker. I'd never been able to do this type of thing before, so I felt like I accomplished something powerful. In addition to getting a great car, I only had to put a little over $1,000 down and finance the rest at a reasonable rate. I was able to use some of the extra insurance money to pay down some of my credit cards and kept some extra padding in my checking accounts. My recently deceased father would have been with pride had he been able to see me do all of this. I think in some ways he was there in spirit and contributed in his own way to things moving so harmoniously. During the entire two-week process, I would sometimes have nagging doubts about how easy everything was proceeding. The last few years of my life had some extra challenges. I'd gotten used to struggling. In addition, I began to think about how I was taught by my mother that you often had to fight for the things you wanted in life. While my mother was an excellent teacher when accounting came to helping make me a stronger person, her Irish German temperament made her perceive things often as a battle. She was born in the mid-30s when things were far more difficult, so it made sense that she believed this. I also began to think about how when I was younger, even up until about the time I was 25, things often came easily to me. My friends and family members would often comment with a hint of jealous irritability that Jim always seemed to luck out. I was often in the right place at the right time, found great jobs, great friends, found money, and a number of talents and skills that came fairly easy to me. I lost a lot of this lucky magic in my mid-20s. I could see that this car accident served a greater purpose. I was getting a new vehicle and a new perspective. I was reconnecting with the beneficial lost aspect of myself that had almost disappeared. A few days after I got my Prius, the engine light came on. I brought the car back to the dealership. They told me that the catalytic converter was shot. It took a little diplomatic bargaining to talk down the dealership's original offer of only paying half of the cost to repair it, but I pulled it off. I chose not to go into battle about this situation. I trusted it would turn out favorably for me. I ended up paying nothing for the $1,400 part. I was actually lucky that it went out a few days after I bought the car. A few more months down the line, I would have had to have had to pay for it. Good things were constantly happening in a number of areas. The only problem I experienced was overcoming a mild phobia when driving. Who was going to blow through the stop sign next and hit this car? I knew it was highly improbable, Still, it made me nervous. There was also an obnoxious mob-like credit card hike of my interest rate to a 29.9% rate by a credit card that I had the highest balance of my debt on, Citibank. I had a flawless credit history with them, 
all of my credit cards. I couldn't figure out what their justification was for doing this. I could easily let my anger at this credit card company topple the new solid foundation of ease and flow I was currently building. It took some effort to keep my thoughts positive. But I knew that there was an opportunity in this apparent dilemma and that it would eventually be resolved if I didn't let this pull me back into my previous negative perspective. There was a solution to this as well, even if I couldn't see yet. There are occasional times in life when things are really difficult and sometimes we do have to battle to get our needs met. I'm glad that my mother taught me how to fight for what I believe is right. She truly helped make me and my siblings stronger. But now I've come back home to an even more comfortable place. I've brought back a part of my psyche, an element of my personal reality that I unfortunately had left long ago behind. I got caught up in the belief that life is difficult and you have to have to battle to get justice. I proudly clung to that perspective for quite some time. I focused heavily on this belief and it is no wonder that it was reflected back to me in my physical reality. It feels more natural for me to be one of those people that most things come easy to. I like being in the position of choosing effortlessness as opposed to struggle. When we fuel our beliefs and intentions with the idea of ease and harmony, we empower a higher self and the universe to assist us with creating this. Then we can receive assistance with the details of life that enable us to solve all of our problems. I am back on my comfortable raft, floating down the stream of life, instead of constantly putting energy into a needless fight against the stream. So I had a little side note here where I wrote that this column originally appeared in October 2009 newsletter and that I'm still happily driving my 50 miles to the gallon Prius and no one has blown through any stop signs and hit me lately. Okay, so uh, there is my uh, my column. Uh, anyway, so uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to talk a little bit about this at this point. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the show. I see some people jumping in the chat room, so I guess I've got a few people listening live. Where you're catching it in the archive. Anyway, so let me tell you a little bit why about why I wanted to really rerun this column, and also um, and, and also to talk about some of the things that have, that have come up since this column really really actually ran. And um, you know, one uh, you know I have really you know I, I've been talking about this on previous shows about some elements of difficult astrology. And and also just that I know a lot of people going through struggle. Um, this has been a somewhat better year for me. 2011 was a really tough year. Um, August of this year ended up kind of getting a little difficult as well. Uh, there was a lot of different stuff going on astrologically that, that hard hit people. And again, uh, because of political things and other things that are going on, I think there's still a lot of really charged up, difficult energy going on in the air. And it's not still, we're still not necessarily experiencing easy times. But as I continually remind all of my, my clients and, and certainly my listeners and my readers, you know, regardless, regardless of what's going on in the world around us and society, our beliefs still form our reality. So we can find a way to, in essence, create ease and harmony even when there's difficulty going on around us. It's kind of like the, the, the analogy would be like, you can, if there's a storm going on around you, you could be at the eye of the storm, where it's calm. But the storm, in essence, is going on around you, and you could still have peace. Now, when I when I originally wrote this column, 
uh, I have to say that, uh, yeah, 2008 uh, was really, really tough economically for me. My business was nearly cut in half. Even just a lot of people couldn't afford to, to see me and, and come in like they had been doing for a number of years. Uh, the economy definitely took a big dip. I had to go back to uh, waiting tables and bartending in uh, early 2009, so I had only been at that job. I had the car accident for about eight or nine months when that Magical, uh, but eight months when I had that lovely uh, car accident, and uh, yeah, middle of the hot Arizona, you know, sun and uh, worst time like mid to late August, and uh, I guess fortunately I was close enough to the job where I could actually walk there. But it was funny. I worked I worked a double on Fridays as a waiter and bartender at the time, so uh, it was uh, really weird to go there after a car accident. Like I had I had burns on my hands from the, um, the the steering wheel uh, airbag uh, when it popped open and I was hit. And, uh, and and I was fine working. And then, like, during the middle of the day, I started just having kind of an emotional breakdown when I realized how much anguish I had around the accident and about how uh, and about how I was going to have to handle this thing with getting out of the car and, and all the things that we all go through when we have terrible stuff happen to us. You know what I mean? Not exactly a, a shocker. But uh, I needed the money. It wasn't an option for me not to uh, to go to work. And, and also, you know, I always, my joke is I'm half German. So um, I have that kind of German philosophy or maybe other cultures have it too. I can look at it astrologically as well too. About, you know, a job is a job. I mean, if you're sick, yet you drag yourself to your work anyway. Well, you know what I mean? Unless you're, you know, unless you're taken away in an ambulance, I'm going to go to my job. So um, I worked and the owner was pretty amazed that I did it after the accident as well. And, uh, but it really did. It was it was, it was something very significant because it really did wake me up to a part of my own process that, that had been lost along the way. Because really the process of getting out of the car and dealing with the insurance company and all those things, it, it really did. It went easy. I got a nice rental car. Um, things were really going smoothly. And it, it kind of freaked me out. Like, I mean, it was like at one level after this difficulty for things to go that smoothly, it was questionable. Another level, you know, anyone who's ever in a car accident or anything like that knows this. You get really phobic. Like someone someone blows a stop sign and hits you. You think everyone's going to blow the stop sign and hit you. And people go through this even in relationships. Like you have a bad relationship, someone cheats on you, then you become obsessed and fearful that your current mate is going to cheat on you. It's normal for us to go through a brief period of some type of phobia in that sense. And... uh Again, it's normal. Don't 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 feel bad. It's only an issue if you're you know, if you're doing it ten years later, then then when we're not kind of getting over it in that sense. So there's some wisdom in, in learning how to do that. So I was I was you know I was very uh, I was I was nervous at one level, but yet I ended up getting this hybrid used car, which I still have, and uh, you know it's got like 130 thousand miles on it, but so we had a little push it to like you know 200 thousand easy. It's a great car. It doesn't have much pickup, but, I mean, the gas mileage thing alone makes it a total blessing. Uh, but uh, I did it. all these things maneuvered in place, and I, and I really did. I began to see that I had had this as a pattern through, through much of my life, that things really, in a lot of ways, did kind of come easy to me. It was like I was in the right place at the right time. I kind of had a knack for this. And then in my mid-20s, I had a roommate that I uh, moved in with, him, my best friend, um, someone that I was really, you know, intimately involved with, who was like a total disaster, emotionally, psychologically, a criminal. I actually wrote about this in my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, in a piece called Criminal. 
and I lived with this person who just struggled with everything and had tremendous difficulty. And lo and behold, after being around her for a year or so, I think that was a pivotal point where things started to get more difficult for me, and I kind of lost that natural ease that I had. Now, I don't blame it on him. You know what I mean? I, again, this is this is twenty uh, something years ago. I don't. I certainly don't blame it on him. But you know, to some extent, guys, we absorb up the energy of the people that we're around. You know, our mate often does reflect a lot of our characteristics, but so do our friends. So there's a truth in that, even though it sometimes makes us uncomfortable. But you look at it from both sides. Also, the good stuff shows through too. So. Uh, uh, it's also the good and the bad. But this was a disaster, and I did. I, I started to perceive life as more difficult, and uh, and, and it was for quite some time. Um, and then, again, in the early 2008, when the economy took its dip, almost all of us had some type of struggle, so we all collectively had that experience. But what ended up happening with all of this is I got the new car. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm almost, I've almost got it paid off. i got about another year, and I'm not a big fan of having the car payments. But uh, I am very happy with the car. Things did go really, really well. I've never been hit again. You know, um, one of the things I was like to remind everyone, this is really a key thing to remember, too. Most of the time, if you have a car accident, and I know this may make some of my listeners uncomfortable, a lot of times it's because energetically we have an anger brewing inside of us, often in relationship with friends or an intimate partnership or family members, or we're mad and we're angry and we're so mad it's brewing for a while and so mad that we want to almost hit someone because we're so irritated. This is often when we have car accidents, guys. That's why I always say, you know, learn how to channel your anger in a healthy kind of a way so you don't get stuck having a badass car accident. Um, I had one of my worst car accidents in, in 2002 when I had a three, three months after an excruciatingly painful breakup relationship. I had a really bad car accident. I do remember I was angry. You know, so angry. I didn't even know what to do with it from feeling of being abused. So uh, in this case, with this car accident, I did. I had a little minor relationship thing that was going on around that time. That's why I think it was an accident, but I wasn't really hurt in the accident. It was it was certainly more minor. But it did end up getting rid of the car uh, and that I had, and I ended up, lo and behold, actually kind of getting a better car, which turned out more beneficial anyway. But another thing that I mentioned in this piece, I'm going to bring this up as just a follow-through, is the only other difficulty I was experiencing was I had these massive hikes in credit card interest rates. And that was the thing, is I got a big chunk of money from the from the car accident, and I was doing well between uh, this, the job that I have now, as well as doing the restaurant job. I was making great money, and I had no money because I was paying so much money to credit cards. And I reached a point where with the interest rates and the minimum payments going up and all the things, I reached a point where I, even though I was making good money, I didn't have enough money to pay off my, my credit cards each month. It was just too tight. And even when I did, I had no money left over. It was the only other difficulty I was going through. So an interesting thing came out of all of this, which was probably the scariest thing I've ever had to do, which was I reached a point where I just simply had to make the decision to stop paying the credit cards. And, again, that was almost three years ago, a little over three years ago, and I stopped paying credit cards a couple of years ago. And everything I was taught is wrong doing that, too, by the way. I was raised, you know, you pay pay for your debts, all of those things. But I really looked at it, and I realized that I would be paying this until the end of time, that the way it was set up with the interest rates and everything, that I was never getting out of debt. And I realized I had actually paid these cards, some of them two and three times over, and still had just as much debt. 
so it's sort of like, do I keep going on and be a slave to credit cards till the end of time, or do I wake up and smell the coffee and accept the fact that I'll just have no credit and appear to be kind of a, excuse my French, a piece of shit on paper? And uh, even if I had to do bankruptcy or something, if that was what was required, that's what I have to do, which I haven't had to do that, by the way. It's just been, I may still do it, but um, I've had a much better existence since I stopped paying the credit cards. So weirdly enough, the accident, too, ended up kind of pushing me in another direction also to make that decision. Now, I'm not saying to everybody, if you have tremendous credit card debt, to drop it, but I have counseled people about that, too. You know, you have to be realistic. If you've gotten to a point where you're not even living a life and you're going to be paying off credit until the end of time, sometimes bankruptcy or just defaulting, you know, it can almost be in, in, in your best interest in that sense. I always kind of, you know, I mean, if you've got $20,000 worth of credit card debt or, or something like that, yeah, you'd probably your best bet is to pay it down. But if you're over forty, fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 Sometimes you got to just start kind of thinking about it and making a decision about you know whether you're living a life through all of this. And that was something that had come out of this. And I, I you know, I get I get calls from the companies that bought the credit card debt, um, you know, and, and they, you know, and they send me letters. And but really, there's little to nothing that they can do. So it was a real issue of integrity for me when I first went through. But again, it was really an issue of no choice. I couldn't possibly do it. I was already juggling multiple jobs. Something short of winning the uh, the proverbial lottery. Um, awesome. Oh, get rid of that. Okay. Something short of winning the freaking lottery. I was going to be in debt <laughs> like till the end of freaking time. So it was kind of a wake up too. So weirdly enough, through that horrible event, something good came out of it in that sense. Although you couldn't see that when you went through it. And that's one of the things I'd like to say to everybody who's kind of listening to this. You know, whatever kind of difficulty you're going through, guys, you know, you have to know that there's a purpose behind it, even if you can't necessarily see it when you're going through it. And that was really one of the reasons why I wrote this piece, and I thought it was important to talk about it again, uh, because, uh, you know, so many people have gone through different degrees of, of difficulty, you know, in life, but maybe even more so in the last couple of years because of the kind of tough astrology and things that we have, have had going on. So things have definitely gotten a lot better for me, and I don't have quite the same struggles as I did. And I just, you know, one of the things that came out of that for me was when I had to get rid of the credit cards, I made the decision I would just only pay for things when I had the money. I pay for them in cash. And I've been doing that since. And i got to tell you, it is a better way to live. I think we, most of us, anybody in their 30s, 40s, 50s knows that we, we almost all got involved in this somehow, this duping idea that you... You're going to use credit cards to pay for things. Even now when I see ads on TV, like I'll see a furniture store um, offering no interest for the next until 2015 on your furniture. And, you know, 15 years ago I'd see that and be like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Now I look at it and I think, oh, my God, that's terrible. Why would anybody want to go pay for something like that that once you have to actually end up paying for it, often – you don't even like the furniture anymore. Your cat scratched it up or you need more. Now you still got to pay for it. So it's really just made more sense to save up money and buy it when you have it. You know, so, but we were so brainwashed <laughs> into that type of a thing. And, 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 you know, again, it's sort of like, you know, if you go to a Weight Watchers meeting and you bring uh, cheesecake in, you're gonna, some people are going to dive into the cheesecake. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, the, the, it's like a, a, a meth dealer hanging out um, right behind a uh, 
a drug addiction uh, seminar clinic hanging out the back door. He's going to pull some people in. <laughs> so to me, that's the way I look at the credit card thing. It's, it, 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 it duped us all in, this idea that you spend money before you have it, and I'll have nothing to do with that at all in my life anymore. I just simply, I simply don't do it. So, you know, much of these are, the credit cards, again, a lot of people have defaulted, and, and understandably so. But let's get back to the metaphysical elements of this. I did want to mention the practicality because I know a lot of people listening are going through similar things. And, you know, you do the best that you can, but sometimes you've got to kind of wake up and smell the coffee and realize that, you know, again, you could be drowning till the end of time. And uh, what is the purpose of that? So uh, I've had so many clients that have gone to bankruptcy in the last couple of years, way more than you could ever imagine. And most of them are like, it was the best thing I ever did. It was a reset switch. It gave me an opportunity to start over again. So not what people would think it is. It, it's there for a reason. And that's it. And no, you're not destroying the economy. You having to be, go bankrupt on forty, fifty thousand dollars of credit card debt is not going to destroy and ruin the economy. Don't be delusional, guys. Uh, <laughs> anyways, you're just not that important. And that's the good news. So, uh, but again, it's, it's sort of like getting back and catching into our flow in that respect. And, and that's what I really, really wanted to talk about. We you know, we have we, we have a knowingness inside of us about what really works for us. Um, you know, I, I had one of my friend's wife, a great buddy of mine recently, was giving me a lecture about the reason that I don't have a significant other in a relationship right now is because I'm too fussy, that I always want to go for the really pretty, good-looking, uh, hot, younger types, and that I needed to, to, to lower my standards. So she she went into quite a bit of a, um, you know, she gave me a lecture for about 20 to 25 minutes, Sagittarius woman. I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm allowed to rip on Sagittarius. You know, sometimes I'm climbing on the soapbox, telling you how you're supposed to live your life syndrome. So And the, and the funny part of it is she actually married, the guy that she married, her husband, is a, you know, he's, he's aged, of course, but he's still a good-looking guy. He looked kind of like someone like a young Al Pacino. Uh, so I'm not really sure what she's talking about, about lowering your standards, her uh, her initial courtship with him was like World War Three half of the time before they finally settled down a bit and had children and, and, and calmed down their fight. So, uh, But the reason I bring this up, and this is what's so funny, is again, a lot of times people will try to sell you on, on what is, you know, best for you. And, you know, sometimes we can get really great advice and wisdom from people uh, that love us and care about us, but sometimes we also remember it's got us to resonate inside with what really, in essence, works for you. We do have an instinct. We do have a knowingness. And, and really, part of evolving spiritually is really, really tapping into that instinct, tapping into that knowingness, and really getting into the heart of who we are. And when I wrote this piece, What If Life Were Easy?, because I have, you know, there are actually, there's a great system of teaching that I, that I teach classes on called the Michael Teachings. And great series of books by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough that came out in the late 70s and the early 80s. I'm sure they're still in print. A ton of them. Jose Stevens, he wrote the Michael Handbook, another great book. Highly recommend these, by the way, guys, if you want to read some really great channeling material and information. Some of the best stuff you'll ever read. And they mention that there are seven different life goals that human beings have. And then I evenly broke it down. The most common life goal is the goal of acceptance, about 30% of the population, followed by the goal of growth. Also, another 25, 30% of the population has a goal of growth. And then there are five others that are less commonplace, but also are valid. 
So let me run through those real quick because I think this will be of interest to anybody listening. Um, the goal of acceptance, its positive pole or expression is agape or unconditional love. People with this goal tend to be nicer. Uh, they like to be approved of. They like to be liked. The negative pole is ingratiation, which is a tendency to kind of bend over backwards to try to please others. Um, the goal of growth has its positive pole being evolution. People in growth, they evolve, they move forward, they move fast, they have a lot of experiences in their lives. The negative pole is confusion, really a sense of actually being almost lost. Less common goal, maybe only 1-2% is the goal of reevaluation. Uh, kind of a simple study in life, its positive pole is simplicity. Its negative is withdrawal. A lot of people with long-term illnesses or uh, handicapped conditions, things of that nature, but also perfectly highly functioning people sometimes have this goal. Um, my older sister has it. Um, and then there's uh, the goal of rejection, believe it or not, or we like to call it discrimination. Um, about 4 or 5% has this positive pole discernment, negative pole rejection. These are people that are naturally fussier, wine connoisseurs and film critics and things of that nature. Uh, then there's dominance, about 10% of the population, positive pole being leadership, negative pole being dictatorship, and submission with this positive pole being devotion and its negative pole being subservience, also that 10% of the population. Now, I have a goal that really only maybe about 6 or 7% of the population has, and I knew this when I started studying this system at a young age, the goal. In the original system, they used to call it um, stagnation, <laughs> which I was like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Uh, but it is a neutral goal, and its positive pole is uh, free-flowing or suspension, and its negative pole is inertia. So what that basically means is, you know, free-flowing or suspension is, you know, suspension is almost like being carried. Often people with this goal have a lot of natural talents, abilities. They have tendency to be able to swim with the stream, and things flow fairly effortlessly for them. You get a lot of people that are sort of spoon-fed when they're younger. They're born with talents, abilities, or they're born wealthy. I didn't have, I didn't born wealthy by any means, but... Um, uh, or, you know, you get, you know, people like Paulie Shore, you know, people, professional surfers, volleyball players, you know. A lot of people with this goal have kind of a natural ease. Negative pole is inertia, which is like swimming against the stream, struggling when you don't have to struggle. Uh, you know, it's it just as difficult as the negative pole of any of the goals. So that's what really happened when I wrote this piece. I had that car accident. I had remembered that this was my goal, that I was supposed to be in flow, that it was supposed to be easy. And there were tons of messages coming to me about the credit card thing and about other things, about where I needed to make changes. But it, the changes themselves were terrifying to me. Uh, in fact, I recommend this a lot. Anyone who's ever used angel cards, uh, it's one of the things I use sometimes in my own sessions for myself and for clients. You know, there's an angel, an archangel named uh, Archangel Michael that represents um, the angel that will help you with having the courage to make changes in your life. A uh, great saint to meditate on or to ask for assistance uh, or, you know, a great archangel in that sense. Um, you don't have to be religious to, to do that, by the way, guys. You know what I mean? It's, these, these archetypal patterns exist, so you can tap into that if you need that assistance. All right, we've only got 10 more minutes on the show, so I want to throw the phone line in. i probably take one call. Uh, I don't know how much I was babbling about this subject. Uh, <laughs> the call-in number is uh, 646-200-3966. Again, I could probably take one call for this show, otherwise I'm going to just continue on this subject. 
for a little bit longer. You might need to dial a one before that, but it's six four six two hundred three nine six six. Otherwise, as number of guests in the get in the in the listening to the show, feel free to just listen as we as we pop plow through the next uh, ten minutes or so. Uh, anyway, so uh, if you do want to call in, I can take a call. So uh, again, we've been talking today a bit about what if life were easy. So I, you know, this is what I'm, I'm asking anyone who caught, is catching the show live, or who is catching in the archives. I have a, a really, really strong archive following. So if you're catching the show in the archive, I have, I have a challenge for you guys, and it's a good challenge. I want you to meditate on the idea of what if your life was easy? What if things came natural and easy to you? Now. I'm, I'm doing a class. If you're local here in, in Phoenix, you can and you get my newsletter, you get some information on a class that I am uh, going to be doing. And okay, so uh, talk about non-easy uh, sales calls too. So uh, if, if you're local, you can catch my prosperity class. Again, if you're not, um, if you're not on my news uh, mailing list, then, then email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo. .com and get on the free newsletter mailing list. Uh, you get a lot of good info that way. You can also friend me on Facebook. And I am doing the class on creating prosperity. So, you know, that's going to be a class that does focus a lot about creating abundance and financial success. I'm doing that class in November. But if you're not local, which most of my listeners are not local, um, there obviously can still be some benefits to consider. Um, so let me throw some of those formulas at you guys who, who are smart enough to catch your show live or who are catching in the archives, a couple of things to suggest to you to create kind of more of a flow of, of prosperity your way in all areas, like not just financially, but in relationships and health, uh, sense of well-being, spiritual development, friendships. You know, we, we can have ease. So let me throw a couple of suggestions out to you. One, always realize this. Your subconscious, your unconscious mind basically believes everything that you you tell it as if it's a fact. So, you know, for instance, when we worry and we're stressed, we're actually feeding the machine, so to speak, to create more worry and stress. Now, the good news is your psyche is not necessarily totally neutral, though, either. It takes a lot more energy to manifest difficulty than it does to manifest good. You actually have to work harder at it, believe it or not. The universe is more, in a way, our psyche works, is more designed to, to manifest positive things, but... If we worry, if we have fear, if we have anxiety, then, of course, we're going we're gonna to milk those things or push those things in that sense. You know, I know when I was struggling financially, um, I always would remember that I'd be in the car and I'd be worrying about whether I was going to have enough money, whether I was going to make ends meet, whether this was going to happen, whether I'd have enough money for this. So, of course, those worries, again, feed the machine, and then you end up, you know, having difficulty and struggle. So the trick is, do we all do this at some point? So what's the trick? How do you get around that? Well, the way that you get around it is, uh, and, and again, I'll talk about this more. I'm going to do some CDs that I'll have available within the next year that you guys can catch if you're not you know, able to catch my classes or anything you know, in person. But the way that you do it is you have to actually, it's almost sort of a little bit of a bullshit process. You actually, actually have to kind of convince yourself in that sense that you are, uh, you are experiencing something else. You have to visualize it. You have to see it. Now, it's not, it goes beyond that, too, because it's not just a visualization and, and saying these mantras and these positive thoughts. When you do this, of course, the negative beliefs that you have are going to surface along the way. So you have to catch those and then weed them out. Let me give you a perfect little trick 
and I, I can give this to all you guys who are catching this, and I want you to try this out as a literal way. This is about manifesting an element of prosperity, something I actually did years ago. I would sit on my back patio, and I would meditate. You know, a couple of times, you know, I'd do it every once in a while for a couple of minutes. I'd look at the mountains. I might smoke a cigar. I would just hang out. And it, what, I, what I did is I wanted more abundance, and in a literal way, financially. So I did this visualization. Just a couple minutes. Close my eyes. Imagine in my mind. I imagined that I had another checkbook in addition to the checkbook that I had that was it had a big chunk of extra money in it and that I was very frustrated with the fact that I wasn't sure it was how much money was in there. Like it was, I was annoyed that I had to, to, to uh, take care of the details of another checkbook. But I saw this, this sense of safety and cushioning that I had with the extra uh, checkbook and that's what I visualized. I saw myself having to keep track of it. I, I saw myself sometimes writing checks from it, but that had a chunk of extra money. Okay, now let me tell you what happened. I did this a couple of minutes. I did this maybe four or five times. In fact, when I did the visualization, I imagined that the checkbook was green. I saw it, I saw it vividly in my mind. And then I'd come out of my little meditation, and I would just think about other things. I would try not to worry about money or think about any of those things so much and just change gears and just think about something else. Well, no joke, I did this about four or five times. But I did not tell anybody that I was doing this. This I did this this was in my early thirties when this happened. About thirty. And the within no joke, but literally within uh about two weeks of doing this, I got a a a a, a package in the mail and it was a box and I opened it up and it was a, a green checkbook with checks attached to it. And I looked at the note inside, and it said it came from my parents. So I called my dad, and I was like, Dad, you know, there's a checkbook. I mean, what does this mean? My father had decided, because he was so proud of me, how I was handling my finances, how I was juggling multiple jobs, out of the blue, he decided that he wanted to give me, uh, help me with the idea that I'd begin to start investing in myself. And he opened up an account with Edward Jones and put $2,500 in it. And I was like, why did you do that? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I appreciate it, but you didn't know this is what I want to do. We're doing well financially. It just kind of popped in my head that it would be a good thing to do. So I hung up the phone, very appreciative, awesome. My parents had never done anything like that, by the way. Like, they didn't come from wealthy parents. They just were retired and were doing better. But they had decided to do this out of the book. I had not told anybody I was doing this little mini visualization. So lo and behold, not only did I get the, the money and the investment money back up, but it was literally a green checkbook the way that I visualized it. So very cool and, and totally true story. So one of the things that I want you guys to do, everyone that's listening to this, play around with this. Sometimes it's even just flex your muscles, so to speak, in the ability to manifest things in a very, very small way. Like, you know, visualize yourself, um, somebody buying you ice cream, something very simple. See it really clearly in your mind, get very vivid about it, and then let it go and watch. It's just the weirdest thing because if you can manifest something small, you could work at manifesting something larger. So it's a trick and it's a game. And again, you don't have to be this brilliant person able to meditate up on a mountain. It's just seeing something in your mind's eye, visualizing it, acting as if you're feeling the emotions connected with it, and just do it for a couple of minutes, and then be finished with it. You know, along the way, you might have false beliefs and things that are holding you back, and, and then honor those. So you may have to just charge them from your thought process and realize what you've been doing. 
Okay, so that's my little that's my little test. Anybody catching this live? Anybody catching? I want you to try that. Um, call me back on another show. Tell me any cool stuff about that that you might have. Uh, next uh, week's show is actually going to be an interview show with a person who talks to the spirits of animals, uh, pets. Definitely check that out. But the week after, I'll be back, and that'll be a good show for for any callback on this particular subject. Okay, guys, if you're not uh, already getting my newsletter, email me at VenturaSage, S-A-G, at Yahoo.com. Get the free newsletter mailed to you. You can also friend me on Facebook with Jim Ventura. Information about all my services on JimVentura.com if you want a personal session. I do do sessions by phone. Uh, if you listen to the beginning of the show, you'll see that I did a really kick-ass promotion at the beginning of the show, so check the show out in the archive. Uh, promotion is only good till tomorrow at 5 o'clock, but if you catch it, and you email me, I'll, I'll let you purchase it. It's a 50% off gift certificate if you want to buy one for a friend for my services, someone I've never talked to before. Um, uh, I've still got three of them left, so if you want to do that, you're welcome to, to consider that as well. All right, thanks for joining me today. This is Jim Ventura. Uh, I'm wishing everybody listening uh, gets an easy life, and I'll do my best to help you guys with that as I continue manifesting and, and, and maneuvering that myself. Thanks again for joining me. I'll be back again, back again next week. Uh, and have a great night. Cheers.